0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 2, 5 through 15, called Jesus Tasted Death for
1: Everyone. Do you ever look up and feel kind of small? Have you ever gone up to the mountains and, and seen the visible stars up there? And it's pretty overwhelming because we don't get that much here in our state, right? And, and you, you see the incredible majesty of what the Bible's talking about, about this God who knows every star and names them all. What is man? Why do you even think about man? Why do you care for him? I think that's a a good question to ask. And the answer to that question is that man, mankind is made in God's image. The the one being that God said he made in his image is mankind. As much as I love animals, especially dogs, because I've told you in the past, all dogs are Christians. You guys know that, right? I've told you cats are definitely in question they they tend to drift. I don't know what it is. But anyway, (laughs) but here's the point. You and I have been made in God's image. Now you might ask, well, what does that mean? It means that we have the ability to reason. But I think most of this has to do with our ability to connect with God and worship. And God made man in his image and gave man dominion. That's verse seven. Thou hast made him for a little while lower than the angels. This is a quote actually from the Septuagint version. Thou hast crowned him, notice, mankind. Now we're gonna go from the lesser to the greater, from mankind to Christ, the ultimate man. But this is true of man nonetheless. Man has been crowned. God crowned him with glory and honor. That's why... Uh, Some of you have heard scholars say that Adam and Eve were king and queen of the earth. They were given dominion. And if you go back and you read Genesis 1 and 2, you will see that. They're given dominion over everything. And even after the fall, man pretty much still has dominion over the earth. Of course, if you run into certain animals in certain contexts, like if you're up in the woods and you don't have a gun, you might be in trouble if a bear (laughs) comes at you. But you can see what's happened with man. Man has dominated the world. Man has dominion. And that is part of what God designed things to be. God designed Adam to care for things and to cultivate and keep what he had entrusted to him. That would include the garden, that would include the naming of animals, and that would include the bride that was given to Adam. But something happened. The usurper came into the garden, lied to our first parents. Adam was there, but he did not stand between the serpent and his wife. And of course, we fell. Our first parents fell. Sin came into the world. And we know the rest of the story. So, Man's unique relation to creation is that God crowned him with a very special place. It is a privilege to be human. I remember Dr. Walter Martin saying, I don't know if too many of us think about this, but it's a privilege to be human, to be made in the image of God. You could have been a fruit fly, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you need to ponder that philosophically or otherwise, but... But to be human is a privilege. It, it is a blessing because we're made in the image of God. And as he continues, he says, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all thing, things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. Now in verse eight, as we see the quotation from Psalm chapter eight, and the writer continues and it's all uh, capitalized here in the New American Standard. But then the writer says, in subjecting all things to him, and the him is lowercase here, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And as we move from the lesser to the greater, we're gonna see that the psalmist is gonna give us what we would call a double fulfillment or a double application, The psalm is written about man or mankind, generally speaking. But the ultimate man is Christ. He is the ultimate son of man. And he has been crowned with glory and honor. The question is, are all things subjected to him? And I think the writer says this to have the recipient of the letter say no, to to anticipate an objection And he answers. He said, but now, end of eight, we do not, we now, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Of course, all things will be subjected to Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But it's not yet. And this is a very important point to just put in your pocket theologically. It's not very complicated. Our salvation is already, but not yet. What does that mean? That the price has been paid at Calvary's cross. Christ is resurrected. He is at the right hand of the Father. But he hasn't summed up the times yet. We haven't experienced the fullness of our redemption. The fullness of our redemption will be our actual resurrection, which will be in concert with with the new heavens and new earth. I believe this is my position, and this could be a little bit debated, that when Christ returns and the resurrection and rapture occur, that the earth it's also going to get its resurrection and its makeover. I believe that when he says, I'm going to make all things new, that includes us. In fact, Romans 8 says that the creation personified is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God because it knows that when we get our makeover, it's going to get its makeover. And creation is pictured as groaning, just like we groan as we get older. I make sounds that my Uncle Frank used to make. And I play it up a little bit now, depending on what crowd is around. You know, ooh, ooh. Sometimes I'm just looking for sympathy. Sometimes I'm looking for someone to hand me the remote out of a sympathetic move. Uh, Last night it was, can you hand me a cookie? In Jesus' name. You know, there's a blessing when you hand somebody a cookie and a cup of cold milk. In Jesus' name. You guys believe that? (laughs) Anyway, I think you get extra points if you do it for a pastor. That's just my personal view, but (laughs) just kidding. Anyway. So there's an already not yet realization. Because the the Hebrew believers are basically saying perhaps something like this. Well, we're going through all this stuff and there's a lot of talk about the finished work of Christ. It is finished, paid in full. Why are we suffering then? And some people may have come along, and this is pretty uh, healthy conjecture here. Some people may have come along and said, I told you there's no place for a suffering Messiah in the Old Testament. The the, the Messiah doesn't suffer. This Christ that you've placed your faith in, and now you have all these problems because you follow him, we tried to tell you the Old Testament makes no case for a suffering Messiah. He'll sit on David's throne. He'll rule and reign with a rod of iron. Yeah, but what about Isaiah 53? What about the fact that he would suffer and bear our burdens and be wounded for our transgressions. You can't ignore those passages. Yes, he will rule and reign at his second coming, but at his first coming, he had come to die. And he would not receive the crown without the cross. And the implication to the Hebrew believers is that you're gonna have some crosses to face yourself. And of course, depending on what time you live in and where you live, it'll vary for every believer. So what do we see? Well, we do see him, verse nine, and we'll get some good news here. The NIV has, has it, we see Jesus, who's been made for a little while lower than the angels. He became human, so he shares our humanity. Namely, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You can hear a shout as maybe the listeners of this letter are hearing this for the first time and the writer says, or the, the reader of the letter says, but we see Jesus. Amen. We see our triumphant Christ. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We'll see this in Hebrews 12, who's the author and Perfector of our faith. Don't lose heart. Fix your eyes or re-fix your eyes on Jesus. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. He emptied himself. Philippians 2, 7 and 8, taking the form of a bondservant, being made like in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. To taste death does not simply mean to die, says one writer, but to experience death in its full horror and humiliation. It is a Hebrew metaphor that does not simply mean that Jesus sampled it or tasted it a little bit, but fully partook in what it means to die. Hold that thought. I want you to go over to the book of Romans, and we'll come back to the book of Hebrews, Romans chapter 5. Jesus's death on the cross is called by scholars substitutionary, or you may have heard the vicarious uh, atonement of Christ Jesus. Vicarious means in the place of, or we're turning to Romans chapter 5. I was interviewing um, Scott Klusendorf earlier today, and we were talking a little bit about the abortion issue and uh, the, the subject of forgiveness came up and we were talking about the hope of the gospel and that we're not here to condemn people. We're here to hold out the hope of Christ. But people need to know the truth about this topic as well. And he said he had preached at a church service and a young lady came up to him and said, I had an abortion in my past and uh, I, I am, you know, I, I'm aware of some of the things that you said about Jesus and so forth, but I can't forgive myself.
2: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. I'm Producer Rob of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, reminding you that this is a listener-supported ministry. And we're really hoping you would consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry, which reaches a lot of people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. Now, I'm really excited about this. In fact, we all are. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. Check this out. That's how I showed my anger. Mm -hmm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy
0: away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird, like, so... Good now, I guess. You
2: know, and <laughs> there was infidelity, just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of, of yes. why a marriage is hard. The
1: Lord's given us all things to enjoy, yeah. the scriptures say. And freedom is a big word yeah. as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. And I'm not saying that there aren't boundaries and there's things that God wants done a certain way, but there's also freedoms that we can enjoy pleasure in life.
2: (laughs) All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Please visit walkintruth.com and click donate today. That's walkintruth.com, click donate. walkintruth.com, click donate. We'd
0: love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Called by scholars substitutionary, or you may have heard the vicarious uh, atonement of Christ Jesus. Vicarious means in the place of, or we're turning to Romans chapter five. I was interviewing um, Scott Klusendorf earlier today, and we were talking a little bit about the abortion issue and uh, the the subject of forgiveness came up, and we were talking about the hope of the gospel, and that we're not here to condemn people; we're here to hold out the hope of Christ. But people need to know the truth about this topic as well. And he said he had preached at a church service, and a young lady came up to him and said, "I had an abortion in my past, and uh, I I am you know I, I'm aware of some of the things that you said about Jesus and so forth, but I can't forgive myself." And Scott Klusendorf said, he said to this woman, well, the most important forgiveness you need is not from yourself. It's from God. Because you've sinned against God. Your, our sin, first and foremost, is vertical. The forgiveness that you need is from God. And so why don't you seek that forgiveness first, and maybe forgiving yourself will follow. Amen? Sometimes we we get held up, and I, and I understand it because we all have things from our past that, you know, maybe it's tough for us to get over, or maybe we, we wonder, you know, is this even forgivable? And the truth is that it is. Here's Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Romans 5, 6, Christ died for who? The perfect? No, the ungodly, Romans 5, 7. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified. See that word justified? That's a Greek word that means to render as just, just to announce as innocent, or to declare righteous. Here's the implications of what Christ did for us. Not only are you a forgiven person tonight if you're in Christ, but you are declared righteous before the Father. You say, how is that possible? Shane was talking about how, how many sins, you know, we've probably committed uh, in the last week. Let's not talk about the last year. Let's not talk about the, the times that we failed to do the right thing, the the our thought life that it can be sinful, things we've muttered under our breath and we think, well, that only counts as a half sin because I muttered it. I didn't actually articulate the syllables. That's like a half sin, right? No. Uh, you know, thoughts that I've, I've, I've thunk, uh, motives, uh, perspective, whatever it may be. And you start to clump all that together and you're like, you know, first of all, I need so much forgiveness. And second of all, how could it be that I would be declared righteous before the Holy One who sits on the throne and runs the universe? And here's the truth. You are declared righteous justified by his blood. By the death of Christ and through his resurrection, when you commit your life to Christ, God moves you from death to life. How does that happen? It happens because you are now in the Son, and God is crediting the righteousness of Jesus to your account. That's why his perfect life, sacrificial death, And triumphant resurrection are all part of the plan that you might inherit the righteousness of Christ. And because this has happened, we shall be saved from what? From the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Turn to the book of Titus for a second. A little bit more of this good news. And I want you to see this idea of being declared righteous by the death of Christ. Because this little Hebrew church, Titus chapter 3 is what you want, is tempted to go back to the law tempted to go back to the sacrificial system, tempted to go back to the blood of bulls and goats, which chapter 10 will tell us can never take away your sin. You go back to ritual, you go back to religion, you go back to good works, and you got nothing. Because if you don't have Christ, you don't have his righteousness. And if you don't have his righteousness, then you're going to stand before God in all those sins, and then he's going to deal with you accordingly. Which would you prefer? I know the pressure's hard, says the writer. I know it's difficult to be a Christian right now. I know Rome is crazy and you're getting persecuted by you know Jewish friends and family that don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But hold on, because these are the truths of the gospel. Look at Titus 3, verse four. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, Titus 3, 5, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being, here's our word, justified, declared righteous by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen? Amen. Co-heirs with Christ. All of this, turning to your right a little bit more, you'll get back to Hebrews, done by God's plan through Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And so the writer says in Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting, it was apropos, it was appropriate for him, for whom are all things and through whom are all things. We saw that in chapter one, verse three. He's the creator In bringing many sons, many sons and daughters to glory. This is the result of his atoning sacrifice in Hebrews 2, 9. To perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Now the writer goes back to Hebrew and he says, it was fitting for God's plan to be this way. See the word fitting there? Do you remember when we studied Matthew 3 and Jesus goes up to John for baptism and John says no 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 you need to baptize me Jesus says permit it at this time for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness then John said yes Matthew 3:15 same word in Matthew 3:15 is in Hebrews 2:10 it was fitting appropriate this is the way that it had to be For Christ, who is the creator, in order to bring many sons to glory, to bring many on the glory train, (laughs) to get many to punch their ticket to glory, it had to be this way.
0: You've been listening to Jesus Tasted Death for Everyone, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 15. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about walk in truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you one more thing about something that's happening with the Song of Solomon as it relates to wise principles for marriage, but just kind of a real authentic conversation that took place about marriage and And it happened with me and Pastor Shane, my oldest son, who's right around 30 years old. So a little younger perspective, and a couple of ladies joined us, really precious ladies that are part of our leadership team at our local fellowship, Living Truth. And we call these A Step Closer. What we do in these uh, special podcasts or broadcasts is we take a step closer on a topic. In this case, it's marriage and intimacy. And have a, uh, a conversation about it and, and try to look at a little bit more depth uh, and practical questions on the issue. And so we did this and we did this as a special step closer. And so if you are courting someone, maybe you're in high school, uh, maybe you have been married for six months, maybe you're on the verge of getting married or maybe you've been married for 60 years. I think there's ways that you can benefit in all of those categories. So anyone who is just considering the, the precepts of marriage, this would be a wonderful thing. And also for those of you who counsel others in regard to marriage or marriage ministry. So I would encourage you to watch these because they're real, they're authentic, they're really unscripted and it's all about just having a real conversation. So you can know you're not alone. You can know that other believers come from similar backgrounds, grounds as you, and you can find hope. I pray you'll listen to a step closer on the song of Solomon. God bless.
0: All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a walk in truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast and with the behind the scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a walk in truth partner for at least $10 a month. As a thank you, you'll have quick access to our daily episodes You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 2, 5 through 15, called Jesus Tasted Death for Everyone. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.